This is Ari Koretsky and welcome to Jews You Should Know, introducing the broader community to interesting and inspiring Jewish men and women making a difference in our world. Some are already famous, some not yet so, but each is a Jew you should know. We are back with another fabulous episode of Jews You Should Know. This week, a very unique and special episode. It's a little bit sobering in some ways, and you'll understand why in a few moments. But before I jump into this week's episode, I wanted to share that some have reached out and asked why on occasion I can't be as consistent with episode releases, certainly not as consistent as I would like to be. And the reality is as follows. I'm running sort of a one-man show here, and you may or may not be aware that I actually have a day job, and my day job is actually really a day and night job. It's pretty consuming, and I'm doing this very much on the side, but it is a great passion of mine. And the reality is that I'm doing all of the aspects alone. That includes sourcing the guests, doing the interviews, of course, editing after the interviews, and there's a substantial amount that goes into that, production, then the actual release, and of course, post-release promotion, whether that's on social media or elsewhere. And I've come to the realization that perhaps I should be reaching out to our amazing audience to see if there are those who would like to join and help out with some of these above tasks. So first of all, one option would be sponsorships. If anyone out there would like to sponsor an episode or more, doing so would allow me to outsource the tedious editing work the sound editing, which I do spend several hours doing every week. And this could certainly be outsourced to a sound editor, an audio engineer, or perhaps somebody in the audience is themselves someone with that skill set or knows of someone who might want to volunteer their time. That's certainly also an option. Other areas of potential help would include guest booking, which would mean identifying or tracking down contact information for guests that I have on a wish list, and then perhaps corresponding with them and setting up a time for an interview that I would do. Also help with promotion, including social media and the like. So there are quite a few opportunities to get involved if you would like to. And again, whether that's financial sponsorships or volunteering time on sound editing, audio editing, guest booking, social media slash promotional help. So if you'd like to get involved, please email me at jewsyoushouldknow at gmail.com. Meanwhile, moving into today's episode, I had a real dilemma because, as you'll hear, Yaron Bob, our guest, lives in a difficult region in Israel in the south near Gaza and Egypt, and unfortunately, a place that is often the recipient of many missiles sent in from our enemies across these borders whether Hamas or perhaps Islamic Jihad, other various terror groups. And Yaron Bob's whole mission in life has been to transform rockets. And he actually takes fragments of these rockets and turns them into works of art, whether that's a rose situated on top of a map of Israel made out of the metals, whether that is a Hanukkiah crafted from the same materials, His Hanukkiah has actually been lit in the Obama White House and again recently in the Trump White House. He's made mezuzot out of Iron Dome remnants. 
So an incredible mission, very much tied into the region where he lives and his own personal story, which you'll hear about. On the day that we recorded, which was February 20th, 2020, to 2020, it was a difficult day in Israel and there was a barrage of missiles that were being shot in their direction. Unfortunately, not too unfamiliar a scene. And probably five or six times throughout the interview, the alarm sounded letting the local residents know about these incoming projectiles. Now, you probably can't really pick it up in the recording itself. I could hear it somewhat faintly when we did our interview, but we had to stop a number of times, and I was torn as to whether I should edit that out because it's just kind of a, an awkward pause, and it makes the interview a little bit choppy, or to leave that in. And ultimately, of course, I chose to leave it in because this really typifies what people like our own Bob are living through on sometimes a daily basis, sometimes an intermittent basis, but it's a regular feature of their lives in that part of Israel. And it was only appropriate, especially in the context of what Yaron Bob does for a living and has built with his Rockets to Roses organization. It only made sense, sadly, to leave in those difficult pauses. So again, it makes for a little bit of a choppier interview, but I think you'll forgive that and understand. And really, ultimately, it adds a tremendous emotional tenor to the conversation. As always, please follow us on social media at Jews You Should Know, spelled out fully on Instagram and Facebook. Jews You Should Know with the letter U on Twitter. Please subscribe wherever you're listening, whether that's Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, of course. Leave us a rating or review. Tell others about the show and help them as well. Subscribe. This helps us tremendously and it grows our audience. Meanwhile, as I noted, please reach out, whether with any volunteering offers or comments, suggestions at JewsYouShouldKnow at gmail.com. And now to our conversation with Rockets to Roses founder combating tragedy and evil with optimism and beauty. Yaron Bob. We are here with Yaron Bob. Uh, he is in Israel, in a very, very interesting part of the country. And I heard of Yaron first through his friend, Uri Alon, who has also been on this program, and is also a friend of mine, the founder of the Salad Trail in Israel, where they sell Yaron's products, uh, which we'll hear all about. How are you, Yaron? Uh, I'm uh, uh, relatively fine, okay? We don't have alarm now for the past, I don't know, about uh, 15 minutes, so it's okay. Hey, Aaron was telling me before we went on air that, uh, and you'll understand his story in general, has a lot to do with uh, the rockets that have been shot in from Gaza over the years, but he was telling me that just today, as we're recording, there was a series of uh, alarms sounded signaling rockets shot into the country, in particular into the region where he lives. Uh, hence the hesitancy and the less than enthused response from your own right now. Other than that, your own, how are things? Where, where are you living exactly? Where are you coming to us from? Okay, I live in Eskol region, very close to where you, you, you met uh, Uri Alon. I live in Moshav Yated, and this is about between the borders of Gaza and Egypt. So 1.5 miles from Gaza and one mile from Egypt. So 
I'm enjoying the best of both worlds, rockets and penetrations. Now, where, where did you grow up? Did you grow up in that part of the country or elsewhere? I was born in the middle of Israel, in a moshav, it's called Talmud Menashe. It's uh, very uh, next to uh, Ramle or between Ramle and Tel Aviv. Now, I moved here in the year 2000 because I wanted a, a quiet place to raise my kids. <laughs> yeah, yes. He, he have a, he, you know who I'm talking about, have a crazy sense of humor. Yes. Know, but he showed me the way, okay? That's all. This is like, I was an IT guy, okay? I was working with computers and I was doing tech support. And uh, when I came here to the year 2000, I, I, I was the IT manager in the high school, in the local high school. So you were, you were raised in Tel Aviv, in Tel Aviv area, in, in, in the center of the country. And what, what was your upbringing like? What were you involved with? And was it just a pretty ordinary uh, upbringing? Anything interesting about your, your childhood? No, it was very regular. Uh, all the artistic ideas just came only after my close call with, with the rockets. I was working with computers. I was working as a teacher in this in the school. Uh, I never thought I'm gonna become what I'm what I am, am today. Did you grow up with any uh, much of a Jewish connection? What was your family's relationship to Judaism? Yeah, yeah. Yes, of course, of course. Uh, we wasn't so much religious, but every holiday and uh, Yom Kippur and Pesach, all, all the regular uh, days we went to the synagogue and do all the holidays. I love it to uh, walk with, with my father uh, to the synagogue every time it was the holidays. Was there a synagogue on the Moshav where you grew up? Yeah. There was a synagogue in Moshav, yes. So you ended up going into IT. Is that what you did in the army? Were you involved in computers or where did you learn no. IT? I was working uh, as in the Air Force as a technique uh, engine, engine fixer. I was in F-15 Eager engine fixer. Oh, wow. Did you ever get to go up, fly up? Uh, yeah, I was... Uh, Sometimes I, they use a chopper to deploy, you know, to certain uh, units, like moving them back and forth all over Israel. So we need to deploy. So, yes, I, I flew a little bit. But you didn't get the, not in the F-15. <laughs> nah. They let you fix the engine, but they don't let you go in? Yeah. Yeah. But now I'm learning to fly uh, like a small, uh, now I'm taking my pilot. Uh, but it's a very, very small, like, it's like a, like, a, like a dune buggy with parachute and engine on the back, like crazy <laughs> one. I don't know how to call it in English. A little propeller but, plane. Okay, so it, this is very nice. I really, really like it, and I'm doing like very nice landing, and uh, the instructor is uh, giving me like, you know, a shadow tap all the time. So it, it's nice. <laughs> but a little bit different than an F-15. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you were doing uh, engine repairs and you became an IT guy and you went to move to the Eshkol region to get some quiet, so to speak, for your, for your family. Now, 2000, what was going on? This was really around, the, wasn't this the time of the second intifada? No, before. Still before? Yeah. 
the, before the Second Intifada. I remember, actually, I was, yes, it was before the Second Intifada, and I was living, when I came to the area, I didn't know if I want to live here or not, so we were renting a place in a kibbutz very close to the border. It's called Kibbutz Cholit, and uh, it was very nice. And then the Second Intifada was, was started, I remember that. I was still teaching it. I started to teach, uh, teach in high school uh, and working as an IT guy. Now, so I bought my house in the year 2000. And actually, I bought it with, because of one reason. It had a huge warehouse. So I can build my own dream. I always wanted to build my own place to work with metal, okay? To make like souls. I was a lot of, I was. Uh, a lot of you know like like fantasy stuff like uh, dragons and knights and all that so i wanted a place to build my own you know like to play with metal and maybe to make a sword or something like that it was very naive and not exactly know where i'm going to do but i want to do it did you have experience with this no so but i was reading out of books and instead of an anvil i used a piece of a railroad track and I took for my doctor when he left the area the propane gas, the, the oxygen tank, sorry. And for my house, I took the propane gas, put it together, and create like a, a, a blowtorch. And I started to play. And I made some small hooks. I made window curtain. The most elaborate thing that I was making is a very, very small gate for my sister. Okay, that was the most like way of my, my expertise. Now, um, oh, sorry. Now there is an alarm. Okay, sorry. You hear the, the you hear the, the sound of this one? Ah, there's another alarm. Yeah, now in Kibbutzad, yes. Wow, I can't hear it. No, no, the, 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 there is like, you heard the beep, 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 beep? I didn't My hear it from on? here, but... Ah, okay, sorry. So there was now an alarm in Kibbutzad. So, um, it's... It's like it's it's hard for me to change like like in the, in the instant that yeah the, the transition the, yeah to go back and forth okay uh, so I was working in the high school and I working also as a hobby in my workshop yes now you need to understand that I didn't even anything I didn't didn't even have any proper roof I had asbestos roof with holes and every time it was raining I have to close the shop and go home <laughs> so one day. It was raining. I rushed to close, and I stepped on a fork. I picked it up, put it in my back pocket, went home, and sit on it. <laughs> and I get it very quickly, and I look at the bent fork. And because I am hyperactive, and I cannot, cannot walk in the shop, so I started to play with it. And I started to play with the fork. And after trials and error, I went to the principal of the school, and I told her, listen, you have many, many kids that they are hyperactive like me. And she looked at me and says, <laughs> yes, so? So I told her, listen, I have a crazy idea. Let me give them a class. And she says, okay, a class of what? Computers? I says, no, an art class. A class of fork bending. And she looked at me and says, what? <laughs> yeah, it's a crazy story. So I took her the fork and I made her a snail. Now, next time you're coming to my shop, I'm going to make you something. Okay, I'm excited. So she looked at the, at the snail and she says, okay, I will give you a try. And from that day on, 
I'm the only art teacher in Israel who teaches the art of fork building. Yeah, seriously. I'm not kidding. Today, I am no longer a computer guy. I'm a full-time blacksmith. But in my spare time, I'm volunteering in hospitals and foster homes, and I'm working with the kids doing the art of fork building. In Israel and also abroad, uh, last year was the third year that I'm volunteering in the Shriners Hospital in Philly. I spent more than 1,000 folks over there for the past three years. I don't, I don't know who's having, who's having more, more fun, me or them, okay? <laughs> what, is fork, what is fork bending exactly? You're just making, making sort of different shapes out of the fork? Making sculptures, a snail, a, a cat, a kitty cat. Uh, now you can combine two and other forks together so you can make a, a swan. Uh, a, I can make a Harley Davidson out of five forks, okay? Like that crazy. The kids in the high school was making like an Eiffel Tower about, I don't know, about like a 21 inch, okay? Like big one. With no welding, no nothing, just, just twisted and bending the fork. That's all. We're only using pliers. We're not using Uri Geller, you know, like, but uh, only pliers. It doesn't, how come it doesn't snap? Another alarm in Shderot and Tapir. Niram, again, another alarm, sorry. Hey, everyone should be safe. Yeah. 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 You, you nailed the, the interview by <laughs> like that. I know, folks, we, did, we didn't plan this. This was all, this is all authentic and uh, this yeah, is the real sorry. thing. Hey. Okay, another, another one. Sorry. Sure. So how does the fork bending work? Do you, um, you, don't need, you don't need any heat? No. How come it doesn't snap? Okay, this is, this is, this is another story. This is, I was looking like in the flea market. There is a flea market in Tel Aviv, so you can buy a fork. I was doing like all over Israel to find a decent fork. I even, I, I like, listen, you need to understand, when I'm doing that, it's like magic, okay? And the people, the reaction is like phenomenal. So everyone loves it. Everyone to take part of this one. So it's crazy. One time I went to a store and I literally break half of the folk. <laughs> and they was happy. And I was like, oh my God, you're serious? Yeah, do this, try this one. Because I was looking for a special one that, you know, that they are flexible and you can do it like bend over like that and like that so it will not crack or snap. Whatever you say. It took me a while, but I managed to find a special kind that I can work with them and they are very good. So wow. I bought about, so about 10,000 of them. <laughs> 10,000. <laughs> and you know what the sad thing is? I almost ran out of them. Oh my goodness. I think I only have about supply for maybe about two weeks. That's all, and, and, and I run out. I need to get another supply, and it's, and it's like I'm very nervous to find them again because I didn't find them yet, and I'm hoping that I'm going to get it soon. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So I was in the classroom. I, I was like half-time computer guy, half-time crazy artist, and I was on a break time. Kids was outside playing. I was preparing for the next class, and then the alarm started. Now, you need to understand something. In my area, the alarm, if we have alarm, we only have about 10 seconds to run for shelter. How close was the school to Gaza? 
one, actually one mile, 1.2 miles from Gaza. 1.2 miles, like two kilometers. Yeah. And when I was there, the alarm started. And I knew I only had about 10 seconds. Not much time. I just went against the wall, lay down on the ground, put my hands like that, and pray. The rocket hits about let's, I don't, about 10 meters, okay? So it's about, I don't know how much feet is it, about, I think about uh, 20 30 feet. 30 feet, yes. Yeah. Yes. Everything was dark, okay? To, the wall was shaking tools falling on my head. All the dust was, you know, if, if you move something that was stationed a long time, all the dust started to go down, yes? So if you want to make your house kosher for Pesach, throw a rocket next to it, the walls were shaking, your house would be kosher, okay? Easy. <laughs> a free tip for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's a dark joke, so I'm sorry. Anyway, it was very, very intense, okay? I remember getting up, cleaning myself, went outside to see if anyone was hurt. I was the only one close to the rocket. They asked me, are you okay? I says, yeah, I'm okay. But when I went home, I couldn't sit down. I couldn't sleep. I, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't do anything. I started to shake. My heart like pounding like crazy, but I didn't know what happened to me. And I'm thinking, this is not normal. This is not a good feeling. I didn't know what to do, but I thought to myself, okay, I need to do something, otherwise something not good will happen to me. So I went to, to my shop to clean, to organize. When I went to my shop, I saw one of the rockets sitting on the table. I got it a week before that because uh, I got it from the security guys. Because you need to understand that the rocket is just an empty pipe. And I look at the rocket, and the rocket was looking at me like she was making a mockery, a laugh out of me. So I got angry. I wanted to take away his power, to stop being afraid. So I started to cut it, and I was thinking what to do, because I didn't want to make like the dove. Because for me, the dove don't bring peace. She only brings like small branches and a lot of dust and poo. Let's call it poo. Anyway. So I want to make something that, for me, representing a warm place, a secure place. And I remember in front of my mother, in my mother's bedroom, there was a big bush of red roses. So I start to cut it into cylinders and then open them up. So I make it a flat, a flat bar. And then I start to, to heat it and bend it so it can make a twig and then twist it and manipulate the, 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 the part of the rocket, and then I make the rose. The second I made this rose, I felt a waterfall of cleaning energy. Cleanse me from all the hate, and the anger, and the frustration. So I knew that this, I knew two things. First, it's better to me to work with the medal than to pay the shriek. It's a lot cheaper. This is what I'm doing today. Second, that I need to spread the word that we, the people of Israel, want to live in peace and harmony. And we don't want war. And whatever they throw at us, we transfer it from darkness into light, from a bad thing into a good thing. 
So I started to make these sources, and I showed them to several people. One of them was the mayor of the road, and he says, I love the idea, but you have to make it to stand so it will not fall. So I attached each rose and each flower to a map of Israel, and it's coming out from the road area. Mm. So that was the, the rose of the Kassam. So just to back up for a minute, what were your injuries like when you were hit basically almost directly by this rocket? Thanks God, I didn't suffer from physical injuries. Just you know, tools falling on my head, so, so this is nothing. But I, I don't know how to say it in English, but I know as I suffered from anxiety and stress. P- like PTSD? Know, yeah, yes. I, I know I, I, I'm the social workers and everybody know that I'm suffering and, and, and it's written. But I managed, I found my own way to cope with this one. So when they're firing, I'm, I'm creating roses. So you were suffering from trauma and you decided to take these rockets and create a rose out of the rockets. Yes. Where did the idea come from? It just popped into your head? Yeah, I, I was planning, what, I, I was thinking w- w- what to do with it, understand? I didn't, want to, I didn't want to make the dove. This is, this is, this is the most important. I didn't want to make the dove because I told you, I wanted to make something for, for my own idea to symbolize a new symbol of peace. So those are the rows of peace. Ah, by the way, I just, last week, if you went to my Facebook, you will see a picture that I got a diploma from the foreign affair of Guatemala and the, and the ambassador of Guatemala they announced, give me the, the, the diploma that my rose of peace are displayed in the presidential palace in Guatemala. That's incredible. Yeah. And I made a Hanukkah for the White House about seven years ago for the Obama. And this year I made the Hanukkah, the show, the Hanukkah, again, mine in uh, Donald Trump. I made a very huge Hanukkah via the help of uh, Harav Fandel. He's the head of the yeshiva in Zderot. Uh, I made a very huge Hanukkah in Hafter. You know the Jewish school? Hafter in Long Island, sure. Yes. So if you go over there, you will see a very, very huge Hanukkah in front, on, on, on the meadow, you know, in front of the school. It's my creation. In front of the high school or the... Uh, the, the yes, in the front of the high school. How did this all get started? I mean, how did this continue, really? You, you made this, dove, this rose, not the dove, the rose, and you made the rose with a base of the map of Israel. And where did you go from there? Did, did you know that you wanted to then quit your job and become a, uh, an artist? How did this go? How did it proceed? I, I, you know what? You know what? Okay, let's talk about computers. There is a nice joke that uh, a son of a, a programmer asked his father, Father, why is the sun rising in the east and setting down in the west? And the programmer says, it's working, don't question it. <laughs> so actually, no, you need to understand, I don't go and do, for my own, I don't do advertising. I don't do PR. I don't do nothing like that. I'm doing those with all of my heart. I'm doing those because I want to, because it makes me, you know, like sane, then insane, better, yes. And I do this because I feel that this is my way to show the world that we, or the people of Israel, want to live in peace and harmony. So this is now my way of life. 
So it was like bigger than me, understand? And I cannot fight it. I, I was doing like half time uh, doing schoolwork and then half time working in my shop. And then it was like, you know, this it, it's like epiphany. So it's, this is my way of life. This is what I have to do. So I quit my job in high school and start to work full time in my shop. And I'm not working a day. I'm just playing. I'm making now crazy, crazy sculptures now. And I can talk to you about this one. This is going to be the sounds of peace. Okay, so I'm, I'm making the Hanukkiot and I'm making a lot. You can go to my website, Rockets to Roses, and you can see all of my sculptures and they are beautiful and they are gorgeous. But I wanted to make something for the, because I'm working, I adopted my own two PTSD organizations of soldiers, okay? One of them is No Soldiers Left Behind. One of them is Survivor for Life. And I help them raising money. I'm working with JNF. I'm working with FIDF. All around, all of the, or these organizations, and I love to work with them. But I found out that a lot of kids are suffer from trauma and anxiety. So now I'm working on a very, very new project, and it's called The Sounds of Peace. I'm taking the rockets, and I'm working with the musician guy, and we're building instruments of music. So the kids can come, see the rockets, and then can play with this one and make beautiful sounds. Uh, I will gladly show the pictures, also the small music notes, and they are beautiful. Okay, so the kids can come and relax. The music is a very, very powerful cure for the stress and the anxiety. So this is what I'm doing now. So you left your job as a high school teacher, and did you just start going around and trying to find rockets, like empty rocket shells? Like, where did you even no. get things from? And, 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 whole no, no, no. and how did you learn how to do all this? You were just playing with forks. How did you learn how to make Hanukkiot and all these other fancy creations? Trials and error, first of all, okay? A lot of trials and error. And first of all, I'm not going outside to collect them. I get them from the army and the police because they found out what I'm doing and they wanted to take, to buy stuff for them on. So I give them a very, a very nice discount so everybody's happy, so it's working together perfectly, okay? So I'm not picking them up, they're coming to me. now. The second, the second thing that you need to understand, uh, if you, you're trying to make, like, to go to the mountain of Himalaya, you need to start making the first steps, okay? So if you make steps slowly, slowly, you can reach high goals. So I did it in the beginning. I didn't know to make a Hanukkiah, okay? I, I was going on Israel route number six, and there was beautiful flowers over there, and they are going all in the same uh, stem. And I look at them and I say, this is so beautiful. It's like a Hanukkiah, like a flower bed Hanukkiah. So I said, okay, good. So I went out to the shop and make a flower bed menorah. So if you go to the website, you can see the, the flower bed menorah, and it's beautiful. And this is from, the, from nature. Like 95% of my work, it's mimic nature. That's all. So basically, you just looked around, and figured it out. Yeah. Did you have any mentors? Did you have any people who are metal workers training you, art, art teachers? 
before all of this happened, I, I was learning the basic of metalwork uh, with a very, very amazing person. His name is Uri Hoffi. He's now 83 years old, and he's making magic. He's still working with hair, like, I wish I would know half of his knowledge, okay? Like, seriously. He's amazing. Uh, and, and until today, a lot of people come to him and learn and ask for guidance. So I learned the basic uh, in his place, and then I went home and learned for myself. What are some of the creations that you've made? You mentioned the rose, you mentioned Hanukkah. I purchased myself when I was at the salad trail. I purchased uh, mezuzah. And the mezuzah, the mezuzah are also one of my latest creations. The mezuzah is made from the Iron Dome Interceptor. Huh. The Iron Dome that protected Israel. Now, you need to understand something. You live where? In Maryland. Maryland, okay. So you need to understand, because you put it in your house in Maryland, you have full guarantee that no rockets from Gaza come to your house. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> in Israel, I always say in Israel you don't have this guarantee. It's only, <laughs> only the state. It's only a problem. And people will ask me to make a mezuzah from the rockets of the Kassam, but I didn't, it didn't feel right, understand? Because the Kassam was the instrument of death and destruction. And it was very, very hard for me to work with this one unless to annihilate it, understand? To like open them up, put it in the furnace so it will like be red hot and then twist it. And the idea of a kasam so people can go and kiss it and bless the Lord, I didn't like the idea, okay? But when I started to get the Iron Dome shells, then it hits me. Then this is protected Israel. So I can work with this one, but it's very hard to work with this one, okay? Uh, because for me, it's like working with avocado. Why is that? Avocado for me is always hard, 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 rotten, never soft. This one also, this is, this, is, this is some kind of aluminum alloy, and it's very hard to work with. And if I heat it up even a little bit, it's like melting like mercury on the ground. Nothing can do with this. So I cut it with a plasma torch. And then I, I, I clean it from the inside from the rubbers and I brush it and then I work it in cold. So then it's taking the shape of the, of the mezuzah. This is why. What are some of the other creations that you've uh, made? Uh, candles holders. Uh, all the time I'm, I'm getting like crazy, crazy demands from the army. Because there is a lot of you know, like generals who living and re and replacing is themselves, so I created a map of uh, for the generals. Like I took a full rocket and I cut it like a baguette, you know, all the way. <laughs> and then uh, this this one was especially custom made for the Rabbi Fandel, and I put velvet inside, and it's like. A Megillah scroll for Purim. So you open it like a baguette, like it, and you can put the scroll inside, and it's beautiful. Now, the head of the yeshiva took it as the Megillah case to give to the donors, and the head of the North Army Brigade asked it as the wine case. So, okay. I'm not telling to people what to do with my, my, my sculptures. 
So this is like a uh, a retirement gift for generals. Yes, actually, he he gave this one for the army representatives in China. Now, in retrospect, maybe he didn't like it so much. <laughs> <laughs> gave it away. <laughs> no, from the corona, you know, he sent it to China. So I don't think he like he like him this much. He sent it to the coronavirus. <laughs> Um, everything you make has a relationship to, to Judaism? Mm, that's a good question. No, uh, you got me there. <laughs> you really, no, actually, I made some sculptures from Full Rocket and then roses come out of this one, okay? So turning, there shall be the soldier to plowshares, okay? So I made the rocket into a rose. So this is nothing with... Uh, map of Israel or nothing with uh, Judaism. It's just the, the idea of turning the instrument of death and destruction into a symbol of peace and prosperity. Oh, and this is also Judaism. I hate, I hate to tell you. <laughs> this, is the, yeah, I know. this is the nouveau, the prophecies. I know, I know. So the answer is it's all related <laughs> to a spiritual idea. Yeah, definitely. Darren, how has all of this affected you, affected your family, affected your own personality, all of this, this experience for you? It's made me a more relaxed and calm person. Really? One time there was an alarm here in, uh, in our area, like almost every day, like about five alarms a, a day. We truck is flooding all over in my, my area. And when like, the war was ending in one day. They tell everybody to go to, to the schools and that, and I couldn't. I couldn't send my kids to school. I, I, I could not because no one in the government is uh, reassure you that now it's okay. They say, yeah, it's, 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 it's past. And two days before that, a four and a half years old was killed by the, a, a motorcycle. So I decided not to send my kids to school. And they were staying in the shelter, and I was like walking in my shop for two days until 11 p.m. until I get everything out of the system, so then I can send them to school. So the walking in my shop and dealing with the rockets helped me to become to you know drain all the poison for me. Now. Because I'm working with the rockets and I'm working for a good cause, and I adopted a PTSD soldiers, so a lot of the PTSD soldiers come to my shop to walk and to sit down and to play music and maybe have a, I, I, I have like a, a fridge almost full of beer always for them. So it's more that people come and, and relax. And we're having fun. So actually, I'm not working a day. I'm just having fun. Creating crazy sculptures. I'm playing all day with the things that I like. I say my thanks to him every day. Do you feel like this experience changed your relationship to God or to spirituality? Yes. I think I'm more spirituality and I, have a, I think that I have a good connection with God. I know that I'm creating the world a better place, okay? Seriously. I know for my work, I donated more than $1.5 million through my work and through my money. Okay, I can prove it easy. Okay, I don't have the $1.5 million. I don't have it, but I don't need it. 
I'm telling God that I have the power to go up every day to work and creating beauty. Did you ever get to improve your workshop? Did you put a roof? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I changed the roof. And I use also now a very big uh, oil hammer, like a very big one that goes, it saves me out of time. And I installed new uh, lights. Did you make the roof from Kassam? No, the roof I, I made, no. Actually, actually, I don't have a shelter in my shop. Okay? I don't. If there is an alarm in my shop, I just hide against the wall and I pray again. That's all. I don't change my ammo. Can you share one or two stories of people, maybe it's a PTSD soldier or somebody that you know has been influenced by, by the work that you've done, by these creations that you've been able to see? Sorry, wait. Alarm again in Shderot and Ivim. Another alarm. Okay. It's going to be a long night today. <laughs> uh, I had a... Sorry, uh, someone approached me from the Sorry. Admor from Krichnev, the Admor. Admor Mikrichnev. Hasidic Rabbi, uh, yeah. Yes, he, he went to my shop because he know, he know this guy was know my work and he asked to make a mezuzah special for him, for the Admor. And he looked how I cut the missile. Uh, and he, he asked me for a certain, certain things that he wanted to do in the mezuzah. And I made one for him, and it was very nice, and he was very, very happy. The reaction of people getting my mezuzah is, like, overwhelming. and start to cry. I enjoy to see people happy. I enjoy people to see that they love my work, and I understand my, my idea and my philosophy behind my sculptures. And you can see that the soldiers that you're working with and, and those that are receiving it, you can see that it's healing for them? Yes. I have a very, very good result with several of the PTSD soldiers that come to my shop here. There are people that went in the beginning to my shop. They didn't see any light in their own tunnels. And by working with me, and working in the shop, slowly, we got progress uh, because PTSD soldiers cannot sustain a regular day of job, okay? One person, he have about six people around him, he cannot work and he have to go out and run away. It's very hard. And we're building here also a, a place for them. It's called Safe Haven, okay? And we're building this one also with a canine, so we have a, so we go we are training chaperones dogs for the PTSD soldiers so they have uh, dogs when the spike go up you know so the dogs can help them to cool down and relax. Therapeutic dogs, yeah. Yes. Where where do you sell your products? I've purchased before, like I said, at the Salad Trail, Shvila Salat from from Uri. But where else do you sell it? Is it just online? This is just on, you, you can buy it at Uri Trail or you can buy it for me. You come to my shop, just Google Yaron Bob or you will find it at Rockets to Roses on Google Map. You can find my shop. Rockets to Roses is the name of the place? 
yes, the rockets, yes. If you go Google Map and you write down rockets to hoses, rockets to hoses, you find out. Or you can go online and you find the website of my marketing people and you can process a lot of those. Okay? Amazing. I think it's called today Israel Boutique. Today, the change is the name for Israel Boutique. But it's, again, just write your own bob and you find everything. And where can people follow you on social media? Do you post your new creations on Instagram, on Facebook? On Facebook, mostly for Yaron Bob, this is my name. Uh, you will see a picture of me holding the Hanukkah that uh, was in the White House. This is my Facebook uh, profile. So go over there and uh, I will be happy to be your friends. Amazing. Yaron Bob from Rockets to Roses. What an unbelievable story. And we, we really we couldn't have set it up more appropriately that as we're, we're talking here today, we're hearing four, five, six alarms coming from neighboring towns and, and kibbutzim really gives us a sense of how serious the situation is and, and how much more important the work that your own is doing is trying to transform this pain and this fear into a call for peace and an inspirational driver for so many people around Israel. Yaron, thank you so, so much for joining us. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure talking to you. This has been Ari Koretsky on Jews You Should Know. Please visit us at jewsyoushouldknow.com and subscribe at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you consume podcasts. Find us on social media at Jews You Should Know. If you'd like to become a supporter of this podcast, we would greatly appreciate that. And you can do so by visiting patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Jews You Should Know. Finally, if you have enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review so that we can continue to grow and introduce many more people to Jews You Should Know.